0: Listening Dog Media.
1: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, this is the Offside Rule World Cup daily with Sky Sports. I'm Kate Borsay. Well, the World Cup banished its reputation for low-scoring games on day five of the tournament. Eleven goals scored across all three games today. With me to dissect what's been, well, a brilliant day of attacking football is Lindsay Hooper. Hi, Lindsay.
2: Hi, Kate. Still very one-sided, though, aren't they, these games?
1: Hmm, a little bit. Uh, And for the first time this tournament, friend of the offside rule and the former Lioness, Jilly Flaherty. Hi, Jilly. Hello to you both. It's so lovely to see you. Uh, You join us from a campsite rather bizarrely (laughs) just to give our listeners a bit of behind the scenes (laughs) insight this is dedication to the cause Jilly I
3: know I've come away for a few days before um work starts to pick up for me so um Yeah, you have the pleasure of joining me from uh, from my little holiday.
2: We've all got the image of you erecting a tent right now, but it's not a tent, Julie. I can see it's a caravan. (laughs) I'm not that
3: qualified to put a tent up yet. Just
1: make sure that uh, no one takes away the stoppers underneath the wheels of that caravan, otherwise it'll be the offside rule on on the move, won't it, today? Look, a couple of teams really made a statement of intent today. I'm sure you'll agree. We'll get stuck into the games in a moment, but Gilly, I'm keen to know what you make of the World Cup so far. Only Colombia and South Korea haven't yet appeared at this tournament.
3: What have you made of the competition? I think it's been really competitive Um, and I think you're looking at the the games, for example, Haiti against England. I think... People expected England to really come out and be in a high-scoring game, um, but they held their own. They played really well. You're looking at France, Jamaica. Yes, a huge draw um, for Jamaica and a big and a big point there. And, yeah, I think it's just great. I think there's sometimes a worry in World Cups, you know, with the, the different rankings of teams and that the group stages are 8, 9, 10. And it's not what we want to see for women's football. So, yeah, for me, I'm just so pleased it's a lot more competitive this year.
1: Yeah, you can really feel that the standard's raised. There were some great goals today, Lindsay. I wonder if you've got a favourite one.
2: I do, and I feel really guilty that I'm not singling out Borges for for Brazil after the hat trick on her debut. But she did have an involvement in this goal because it was Brazil's third one. She was so unselfish. You may recall that little back flick into the path of Zanarato and the finish into the roof of the net. But it wasn't just about that. It was about the way that this goal typified Brazil, the build-up down the left through Dabinia there were a couple of flicks and a nice couple of pieces of skill as well in the build-up to this and as I was writing this down as oh wow what a goal um, Kim Little in the post-match analysis on the television today came on and said look this is my favourite goal of the tournament not just the day so if that's good enough for Kim (laughs) Little it's definitely good enough for me.
1: Well that's generally a good rule of thumb isn't it to listen to what Kim Little's saying Uh, remember if you're listening to this you can get your point of view across maybe you've got a favourite goal of the day or a moment that you want to discuss, let us know what you're thinking. Hashtag OffsideWC and use the handle at offside rule Pod. And a reminder, this show doesn't work without you. Make sure you rate, follow and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's dive into Germany's meeting against Morocco. Well, Germany underlined their credentials as one of the favourites for this World Cup, thrashing debutants Morocco 6-0, the biggest score of the tournament to date. Germany have never failed to make the knockout stages, and their 20th win in 25 group games showed flashes of them at their very best. Here to give her thoughts on the crushing win is football journalist Annika Becker. She joins us live from Melbourne post-match. And Annika, Alexandra pop has got to be one of the standouts of the game. What do you think?
0: yeah, for sure. I mean, she's been on great form um in this match, but also in the last season, she's just had a very good run coming from the Euros, um, where she was very successful, to having a great season for Wolfsburg. And um, yeah, now in this match, she again showed uh, what she's up to. And for sure, you always have to counter in uh, to be a contender for the golden boot. I, I was really excited to see her. Um, it was a great match for her.
2: She is, of course, gonna steal the headlines, but I thought the delivery for her to work off was incredible. I thought Hendrik's delivery for that first goal in particular. Just tell me a little bit more, Annika, about this front press and how effective it's been for Germany.
0: Um, Yeah, I mean, it's something that's been worked on for a while now. Um, It's very important for the team. And I was actually very impressed because today we didn't, um, or Germany didn't um, start with the 11 that you'd usually have. I mean, we had Lena Oberdorf missing, of course. Um, we have Svenja Hood playing right back, um, who's normally uh, the attacking right winger, um, filling in in that position. Um, and then... We had Jule Brandt in her position. So it was very good to see that, um, yeah, all the connections were there, that everybody uh, just filled in their positions really well. Um, There was a lot of um, aggressiveness. Um, I thought that today um, Germany was very tenacious and they. You could just feel they had fun being in this match. Um that was something that was a bit missing in the run-up to the World Cup. Over the course of the game they really got into it.
1: It is a statement of intent as well, and I really like that you say that Germany seemed to be playing with enjoyment, playing positively. We saw that reflected in the scoreline, didn't we? From your assessment, Annika, is there anything different about this team compared to the team that reached the final of the Euros? Alexandra Pop, of course, missing from that European Championship final. But what's the difference with the Germany team that we're seeing
0: today? I don't think it's such a big difference, actually. Um, I think that They have re-found themselves, I think you could call it that, because... um, So it's like a confidence thing, almost. Yeah, confidence, um, and I think also just having the energy and a lot of time together, because uh, during the season, we had lots of different injuries, or players just... yeah, missing out, um, being called up, but not really playing um, because they weren't on form or they just needed a rest because they were playing for their clubs that much. Um, so now you just saw everything getting back together again, even though, as I already said, some important players were missing from the starting eleven today. But um, yeah, I think this aggressiveness and also this joyfulness of play is something we also saw at the Euros. And I have to say they also have a very great sense of being an actual team together. Um, You can see it. yeah, how they act among each other all of the time and also on the pitch. Finally, Annika, are
2: you going to be getting carried away and from a German press point of view? Do you do what <laughs> us English sometimes do?
0: Um, no, uh, surely not. I'm actually one of the people being more critical, I think, within Germany um, of the team because sometimes, um, yeah, there's just things where I wish there was a bit more, or where sometimes I would favor to see some other decisions. Um, One example, um, a lot of people here are very keen on seeing Laura Freigang more. Um, She got only very few minutes in today, um, but I thought that her connections with Lea Schüller, um, who's always kind of in the shadow of Alexandra Popp, but who's also a very, very good striker, they had a very good connection. There was some really nice plays there um, in the last couple of minutes when they were together on the pitch, so... That'd be great to see more of in the future.
1: Before we let you go, let's just uh, touch on the opposition. I think it's fair to say, isn't it, that Germany had a helping hand on a couple of occasions, certainly from Morocco's goalkeeper. Were Morocco... Their own worst enemy, or was this just a gap in quality? How would you assess their performance, Annika?
0: I think that Kadisha Ermishi, she's actually a very good goalkeeper on the line um, when it comes to reflexes, but Germany tried to exploit one of her weaknesses, which is just going for. Um, crosses Um, so they curled every corner directly onto her onto her goal and you could see that it was hard for her to make the decision to go for the ball or not and that's when she um, made the mistakes someone um, watching Morocco or maybe being a Moroccan fan I just wouldn't be too sad about it I think they had some really good moments in offense and I wouldn't be too surprised if we saw some um, yeah, good plays from them um, in the other matches in the World Cup, especially um, on the attacking side.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, that is the German football journalist Annika Becker. Great to speak to you and we'll catch up with you again soon. Thank you for having me. Julie, let's pick up on that with you on this game. And in particular, actually something to mention is Germany's success on the flanks out wide. Clara Bull, particularly for me, great on the left-hand side, setting up Alexandra Pop's second goal from a corner, scoring 10 seconds into the second half as well. We missed her, didn't we, in those latter stages of the Euros because she had COVID. And I just wonder if a player like Clara Bull uh, is now, this is my moment. This is exactly what I'm here for. Uh, tell me what you made of Germany.
3: Yeah, just on that point, I think I agree with you in regards to the Euros. I think to miss a player like her, especially with Pop as well, um, to lose out on the final were two key players for Germany. But yeah, for me, Germany was so impressive um, down the wide areas, especially on the left-hand side. Um, Clara Ball, time after time, again, she kept putting in these great deliveries. Obviously, for for Pop's goal, it felt was a bit of naivety for Morocco, you know, Playing against a player like Pop, you don't leave her free in the area. Sometimes you need two players around her because she's similar to Sam Kerr. She's such a threat in the box. But yeah, I mean, her deliveries were fantastic. She was constantly up and down. And then obviously then she gets her reward as well, 10 seconds into the second half with the original ball into the box. And then she follows it in as well for the second phase at the back post and and drives it home. But yeah, she was key. Just as much as Pop was today, she was key for Germany today.
1: Yeah, so many scorers on the sheet really and a couple of own goals as well to add into that Lindsay is this Germany very clearly announcing from the beginning unlike some teams from the beginning of the tournament exactly where they see themselves in the final and then lifting the trophy
2: it's as if something happens where they press a button as soon as tournament football starts, because there were some concerns, <laughs> weren't there? Are you thinking How about the Zambia things? game? Yes, I am. And, and so many people started to have doubts. I'd gone on record and said Alexandra Pop to be the top goal scorer in Germany to win the whole thing. And then I was thinking, oh, no, backtrack, backtrack. But I feel quite comfortable now in that prediction. One of the other things I wanted to point out about Germany in this performance, as well as the flanks and how they were used, because I think that was also one of the key strengths when you saw Brazil today as well, was the way they used their flanks. But Germany had something else, and that was the press from the front. They don't give their opposition any time on the ball, any time to think. And I think that's going to catch out quite a few teams. And so that's something that I'm going to flag for the next few games in the group stages. That front press they're going to be able to sort of score some goals from that. What do Morocco
1: need to do then, Jilly? They've already made history by being the first Arab nation to play at a Women's World Cup. We should mention Rosella Ayane as well, a name that WSL fans will be um, very familiar with. Do they need to use Ayane more? What do they need to do to develop as a side into this tournament?
3: I think it's really difficult because, you know, you're, you're talking, they've, they've played a game today against Germany, you know, like ranked second in the world. Like they, they are where they are for a reason. Um, for me, I think they held their own in at the beginning of the game, you know, and obviously until the first goal. But you look, Germany played quite a high back line, and at times they were they were disjointed. And Morocco got the ball; they was trying to counter down the outside to the centre backs. And obviously Ayane, who I know from my time at, at Chelsea, has really developed. Um, but it was a constant runner for him. But I think a lot was re- she was relied on a lot. You know, a lot was put on her. If if you're getting Ayane to go outside the the centre backs. And there's no one else in the box, you know, you need other people to file in because she is their number nine. So if you're getting her drifting wide, you need bodies in the box. But I think for them it was just their the final third, their lack of quality in the final third. And then again that naivety with the defending, you know, for one of the goals I think might have been the first goal, the 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 centre back literally just passed it straight to Germany. Like it's about being clever, put your foot through it, clear your lines, get your, your team up the pitch. But you know, they've got Germany out of the way with it's their first game, you know, that the nerves will have well, hopefully have gone and now they can just build it in, in the next two games
1: and David Astell got in touch at Offside Rule Pod and said Morocco set up in an interchangeable 4-4-2 without the ball taking turns to press the problem is there's too much space between their lines giving Germany the chance to play through and into the spaces behind their back line Lindsay your thoughts on this one I mean Morocco are going to play South Korea next so eyes on that one but also Germany are next up against Colombia who are you'd expect going to give them a much tougher
2: Yeah, I think with Colombia, they are a team that have really gained some confidence over the last 12 months. They reached the final of the Copa America on home soil. Um, That was last year. They only lost 1-0 to Brazil. And we've seen what Brazil have been like in the tournament today. So I think it will be a tougher ask. I I don't think, though, that Germany will not win this game. I just think it will be narrower margin than 6-0. And then you look at Morocco. I, I think they could be a team, you know, that go home without having having any points they might get a goal but I I don't think that they're going to really do much against South Korea I look at the quality that they have especially in that South Korean midfield and I just can't see Morocco doing much there either I think they'll have a similar sort of stern test but you know what We have to give them plaudits for the way they tried to attack and, and there was a lot that they can take from that and try and get a goal something to celebrate
1: All right, well let's wrap that one up there next up we'll look at Brazil versus Panama
0: this is Jade Moore. Join us for the Offside Rule World Cup daily with Sky Sports.
1: So Brazil took on debutantes Panama and it was a pretty one-sided affair with the Salazar running out 4-0 winners. Ari Borges became the first debutante to score a World Cup hat-trick. She also set up another for Zanaretto. Jilly, there was a pivotal moment at the 2019 World Cup where Marta, as uh, Brazil were eliminated, um, spoke into the camera. It's Become an iconic moment, and she basically said, It's about the next generation, it's over to you, younger players, to take the mantle of this Brazil football team and to run with it. and I think it's safe to say Marta's got nothing to worry about, has she, in this respect?
3: Yeah, no, I don't think she has because I think they played fantastic football today. Um, and they like to have a player like Marta stealing in a rand, you know, it's one of them ones where. You're looking at probably the Lioness's last year as well, where you've got like the likes of Jewel Scott involved with a team who might not necessarily play as much, but will have an impact on the younger players coming in. And with Marta, obviously, I mean, she's such a huge presence for for Brazil, even when she come off the bench. The raw, it was like a goal had been scored, the roar of her coming off the bench. And I think even the fact of, you know, she's got still so much to give to the game you've got a player like Marta that you are able to bring off the bench you know in there's going to be tougher games than panama um but yeah for her to be able to sit back probably have a cup of tea and biscuits on the bench you know and and just watch what was happening maybe not literally maybe that's more like me when i'm sitting on the bench but you know just to be able to watch the the uh, team you know just turn it on and play with such flair and discipline as well you know she she must be one proud um
2: proud squad member
1: Yeah, certainly. Let's talk about Ari Borges. She's definitely the superstar of
2: this game, Lindsay. What did you make of her? I think she looked like she'd been playing in this side at major tournaments for so long. Uh, She just approached it with completely the right attitude. She gives me the sense that she's a player that in training, trains so hard as well and leaves everything on the pitch. But those connections, those interactions with players around her, you could see that she really worked on that. But I think when you when it comes to Brazil, you want to see players with creativity and she's got that in abundance. You know, she was trying different things. It's that fearlessness. It's one of those things that we admired when we were looking at Alessia Russo and Chloe Kelly and Ella Toon, when they just announced themselves on the stage at the Euros last summer. She's announcing herself here. So when we talk about players that by the end of this tournament, not only their value will have gone up but their their reputation on the world stage I think Ari Borges will be one that we'll t- be talking about
1: Yeah certainly she's 23 as well so it's not like uh, she's completely brand new to national football to Brazilian football I think the kind of point is there is that she's you know going to be a name lots of people mention now and she's probably of an age where well, that won't distort her view, she she's mature enough to be able to sort of carry that mantle, as it were. And um, Pele has been in charge of Brazil now for four years, Jilly, and we last saw them, of course, at the last World Cup. They've always been a team with flair, this we know. But I wonder what you think she's done with them. You know, certainly in the last twelve months or so to get them to this stage where they are presenting themselves as a major contender here.
3: No, there's there's probably a few things really, but I think you're, you're looking. Brazilians naturally have flair, so there's probably not not a lot that she needs to do in regards to that. Um, in the sense of allow them to be creative, you know, create their own relationships, allow them to have the freedom as well in in certain areas of the pitch to to play their game. But for me, I was just so impressed with Brazil off the ball. You know, they uh, they showed a stat up on the telly. I think it was like nine seconds it took for them or six seconds to win the ball back. You know that that. When you've got a team like Brazil who've got so much flair, you know, and they, they want to be on the ball all the time, and they're, they're tricky and they take several touches, there is a high risk that they're going to lose that ball and it's about what do you do when you do lose it because if you are expansive and, you, you know, you turn the ball over especially in dangerous areas you're going to be open to, to be a target. So, for me, I was so impressed with what they did off the ball. You know, it's, it's all well and good being able to go and create loads and loads of chances but if you're wide open at the back or you're poor defensively, doesn't matter how many goals you're going to score if you're going to leak the same amount of goals at the back. So for me, I was just so impressed with their organisation, their discipline, but the moment they lost the ball... They got around the ball, they won it back, and then they kept the ball ready to build up again.
1: Panama, Lindsay, were better, weren't they? They made subs at around, what, 55 minutes or so, and they did grow into the game a little bit, as much as that's possible when you've got Brazil buzzing around you. How do they approach their next game? Because it's important for them as debutantes at this tournament not to take a big hit of confidence.
2: I think they're going to have to approach it in exactly the same way. You know, they're one of the teams, and there are a few at this tournament, especially when you look at the debutantes. They don't have that much option when it comes to strength in depth and the options from the bench. I mean, that is ultimately what's going to set some of these sides apart, I think, when it comes to the latter stages, is who have they got those options to bring on? And Panama are in an unfortunate situation where they don't have that many options. So I think they're going to have to stick with what they've done. I think there were glimpses in this game that show that they could get something in one of their remaining matches. Um, But it is going to be a tall order And it always was going to be
1: Well next up on Saturday France face Brazil Something Well we're really looking forward To that one of course It's a repeat of what happened At the World Cup in 2019 And Panama Are up against Jamaica This is the Offside Rule World Cup Daily With Sky Sports Well, our final game to look at saw so Italy beat Argentina 1-0, securing a crucial three points thanks to an 87th minute winner from Cristina Giurelli, who'd only been on the pitch for four minutes. Italy had two goals ruled out for offside in the first half from Caruso and Giacinti, but in truth, they were well below their best in a pretty drab game. We saw Girelli come off the bench, Jilly, in this one and score the winner. She's got such good pedigree, really, when it comes to her national side. Should she have been used earlier?
3: Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're fortunate that she managed to get a goal um, within the time frame that she did. But, you know, if you are searching for a goal, you, you've got a proven goal scorer sitting there. It's tough to give a... 10 minutes max, you know, she needs to get a bit more, a bit more time, but I mean, it it worked for Italy. So, you know, you could say the same question to the manager and, and they'd say, well, it worked, but you know, I mean, fantastic finish from her too. Um, but the importance of having a goal scorer that you can bring off the bench will be crucial for them going on in the latter stages.
1: Yeah, we saw a debut as well for 16-year-old Julia Dragoni. She became the second youngest European to play at a World Cup. Born in November 2006, ladies. <laughs> That's one to make us feel ancient. Uh, so a quick word for her um should we look at Argentina though Linz and, and and actually they were the better side weren't they for most of this for a, a good part of
2: it anyway I think this is the familiar frustration with Argentina is they do show that they can play some lovely football but in terms of end product I think that's always been their issue um I thought they looked quite resolute at the back I must admit at times but then Having said that, they are going to have um, opposition that will be more physical and have that aerial dominance, which I don't think Italy really did have in this game. So um, that they'll have to answer those sorts of questions. But... Ultimately, I think Argentina are a side that you look at the infrastructure over there as well, that has to come into play uh, in terms of how much they invest in this team. But there is clearly potential. I think that is the word. And I don't know, I liken them a little bit to the Portugal side. Um, They both tend to play with that, wanting to be on the ball, have possession. And they are sides that really excite me. They, They just have to have a bit more investment, I think, going forward. Uh, in order to reach those top levels and be able to progress through to the the knockout stages
1: yeah it feels like both teams have really got to click into this tournament perhaps it's that rusty first game thing that we've seen with a few sides mentioning no names England all right let's wrap up the match analysis there shall we and look we didn't bring you an update at the start of the podcast because well we decided to tease you right until the end it's our one to watch predictions game I know you've all been absolutely on the edge of your seat about this one and how we're getting on if you haven't started playing yet here's producer Sophie to explain how it works
2: This is the Offside Rule World Cup Daily with Sky Sports, ones to watch. The game where you predict tomorrow's top player. So pick a player and let's get started. You'll get two points for a goal, it's one point for an assist, and one point for a clean sheet if you're a defender. And if you pick a goalkeeper, it's two points for a clean sheet and three points for a penalty save. Oh, and minus one for a red card. We're going to be keeping tallies throughout the tournament. There'll be a pundits team, a producers team, and of course a listeners team. So keep your scores at home and let us know how you're getting on. Let's play.
1: So that's the rules covered. But let's reveal what happened in our latest round of picks. I'm thrilled to say that I'm off the mark. I've been on nil point for a very long time. But thanks to Alexandra Pop, I've added four points to my total. Lindsay's on five just ahead of me. Again, another four points for her because of Alexandra Pop to add to her one for an assist by Alex Morgan. Uh, the pundits are on two. Tash Dowie chose Brazil's Jay-Z and uh, nothing no fruit at all to bear from that. The producers are still in the lead, though. Callum yesterday chose Brazil's Debinha. One assist, one point added for the producers, who are on six. A quick shout-out as well for Chris Ellis, who got in touch on Twitter with us. He selected Lena Oberdorf as his player, but remarkably, she remained on the bench throughout the Germany game. Better luck next time, Chris. So just a reminder, it's minus one for an own goal. So... Tuesday, the co-host New Zealand take on the Philippines. Norway will be desperate to bounce back from their 1-0 loss on the opening day when they play Switzerland and Colombia
2: play South Korea. So
1: what are your ones to watch? Lindsay, let's go to you.
2: I'm going to go with Hannah Wilkinson from New Zealand. She scored in that opening game for them. And I just think against the Philippines, she might get another.
1: I can tell you that producer Doogie has picked Norway midfielder Guru Reiton. They need a big performance, don't they, from one of their stars. Jilly, what about you?
3: Well, I'm going with Graham Hansen uh, for Norway. I'm hoping that she has a bit more of an influential game than what she did the first game. But, you know, see her over the season, how well she played. Um, At domestic level, I'm really hoping that she can bring it into the game and, and get me a few points on the board.
1: So you've gone for Caroline Graham-Hanson, another recognisable name. Good luck with that, Gilly. I've gone for Linda Castedo. She is a forward for Colombia. She's 18, plays for Real Madrid, uh, was actually diagnosed with bowel cancer at 15. And she is a terrific example of a player that's going to make her debut at this tournament. And I'm hoping... If some of the debuts are anything to go by, she'll notch me up some more points. That is Linda Casado, the Columbia forward. All right, well, now that that is all on the board, time to say that you can join us on Tuesday to see if any of us can overtake the so-far victorious producers team. Thanks so much for joining me, Lindsay Hooper and Jilly Flaherty. Listeners, don't forget to rate, follow and subscribe. Share your thoughts with us on hashtag OffsideWC and at Offside Pod. Bye for now.